0: Start with Summon by Summit episode 3110. All right, we've got the second of our breakdown episodes on the season premiere of The Bad Batch. This one on episode two, which is called Ruins of War. Let's dig right in. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy, and thank you so much for joining me for it. So the first takeaway I've got for you for Ruins of War, which is Season 2, Episode 2 of The Bad Batch, is something that (laughs) We talked about actually with the first Reactions episode on Thursday, and that has to do with the fact that I'm just still shocked that this is considered a two-episode premiere. I was thinking back to the debut of The Bad Batch and the episode Aftermath, which was the very first episode of the new series. That episode was a 70-odd minute single episode. And I feel like they could have done the same thing with this situation. Spoils of War and Ruins of War really are, for all intents and purposes, one episode. I guess where I'm going with this is that I feel bummed out (laughs) by the fact that we're getting a little less Bad Batch this time around is what it seems like because the 16 episodes last time included one very long episode and this time that doesn't seem to be the case unless we've got something ahead that's gonna surprise us in that regard. As a result, and this is my second takeaway. This episode is actually a little uh, formulaic in a sense, I guess, because really, from where it starts, we know that a couple of things have to happen. Number one, we know that the Bad Batch has to get out of the difficulties in which they find themselves. Yes, that happens every episode, that's fine. But really, that is the only purpose of the episode, is to get them out of the situation in which they find themselves. Secondarily, we have to find out whether they're actually going to be able to complete the mission that they are in the middle of, And also, secondarily, how are storylines and character arcs going to be advanced for the groundwork to lay out over the course of the season. So to answer one of those questions, we'll explore that with our third takeaway. And it's kind of an unanswered question at this point. It's not really going to be definitively answered until we see them again in Episode 3, but That question is, are they able to complete their mission? It seems like the answer is no. Their mission was to get some of Dooku's war chest, and they appear to be leaving without any of it. However, if you remember from the first episode, they had a container that they were able to drag out of one of those cargo ships, and it's sitting in the forest in a random place, so is it possible they could swing back and pick that up? Sure, but they really did kind of position the episode in such a way that it seems like they had to bail out of there and not be able to go back and pick up that one crate. So it seems like they're leaving without any of the spoils of war or the (laughs) stuff from the ruins of war, I guess you should say. And... Yeah, how is that going to factor in with Sid and with Fiji right? So in this particular case, it doesn't seem like it was an assigned job, it was just a tip that fee gave and fee wants a percentage of whatever comes back but nothing's coming back seemingly so fee's not going to get anything out of it but it wasn't a commissioned thing necessarily except for sid so sid might be a little upset and maybe there's going to be some kind of well yeah now you're in deeper debt to me because i'm paying for your fuel and supplies to pull off these jobs or something and so maybe this is going to end up setting them back Our fourth takeaway has to do with their encounter with Romar Adele, who is voiced by Hector Elizondo. The fact that they learn from him that Dooku's war chest wasn't just built up from all of the other planets over which he had influence and you know corruption extending out beyond the world of Serenno, but it was also him taking from the people of Serenno, which I suppose shouldn't come as a surprise, but it's rather fascinating to you know get that additional perspective as well. I mean, we know <laughs> that Count Dooku was trying to portray this whole war against the Republic as a just war, as one that had legitimate, valid causes, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he was behaving like a good person in the middle of it. Yes, we know he had the ulterior motives and whatnot, but it doesn't seem like he was being shy about taking from various worlds, including his own. Does make me wonder what he thought his own endgame with this was going to be and makes <laughs> me reflect on how surprised he was when Palpatine told Anakin to kill him at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. For a fifth takeaway, I want to talk about the moment where Omega and Echo have a conversation about the fact that Omega has overheard something that leads her to arrive at the conclusion that the members of the Bad Batch don't have a normal life because of her. You know. This struck me as particularly fascinating because I happen to be a child of divorce and I know the whole thing about how kids think about Situations that happen with their parents and whether they are at fault to any degree for the things that went on with their parents. And this is kind of a similar thing, in a sense. It is, you know, Omega looking at her figurative parents with the Bad Batch and thinking that she is somehow to blame for the situations in which they find themselves, which is really not the case at all. And certainly Echo gets to set her straight with that notion. And this is not something that we've really talked about in the Bad Batch episodes that we've done previously, but the series is really opening up interesting opportunities to talk about father-daughter dynamics and uncle-niece dynamics, and the opportunities they have to explore these kinds of things is really awesome, and it seems like right out of the gate they are interested in pursuing that kind of conversation as part of character development and story arc. For sixth thing, we have a shocking turn of events that happens at the end of the episode where out General Rampart shows up and talks to Captain Wilco and finds out that the Bad Batch is in fact still alive. And Rampart wants Wilco to file a false report and say that, you know, it wasn't anything to do with the Bad Batch because supposedly the Bad Batch was supposed to have died on Topoca City when that aerial bombardment or orbital bombardment, excuse me, was carried out at the end of season one. Wilco, to his credit, says he won't falsify a report. And Rampart shoots him. Oh, yeah. What an awful situation right there and it brings up a lot of stuff for me like the plight of the clone troopers in general having fought in a war that you know they didn't choose and that you know like rex said toward the end of season seven of the clone wars where they were alive and able to experience life because of the fact that this war happened and yet they were also part of this war and didn't ask for it didn't necessarily want to be a part of it and so were conflicted about the whole situation but then you add on top of the fact that this programming kicked in for them that made them think the Jedi and anybody else who was against the Empire was a traitor like that is really out of their control and turned them into you know, automatons at best, slaves at worst. And so you can understand and even, you know, more greatly appreciate the fact that the Bad Batch, when faced with fighting their clone brothers, are shooting to stun and not to kill. Especially since they've gone through it themselves, as we saw during the middle of the first season of the Bad Batch, where they pretty much all escaped having the effects of that order 66 chip in them except for of course wrecker because it finally came online it's also another display of the blatant corruption within the empire and the absolute lack of humanity as evidenced by admiral rampart's actions here and the last takeaway is kind of a little fun fact parallel situation. So I was watching this and the scene toward the end where Omega is trying to reach down for jewels that get lost as you know, the chaos is happening and the crate, the container is about to fall down into this gully and you know she's been cur- being encouraged to come back up and she's like, no, I can almost reach it. And I was like, this is so familiar, I cannot place why. Well, the folks at Podcast of the Wills put a little thing out on Twitter with a picture of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade where Elsa is reaching for the Holy Grail that is just out of reach and it's like, I can get it and Indiana Jones is saying, no, don't and she's like, no, I'll just get it and she ends up falling to her death And then Indiana Jones is in the same position and his dad has to say, let it go. And he ends up letting it go and is able to survive. And that's basically what happens in this situation as well. It's a parallel for Last Crusade. So I thought that was kind of fun too. And kudos to the Podcast of the Wills folks for flagging that one and letting me know like, yes, that was it. Anyway, so there you go. That's what I've got for you in our breakdown episode of Ruins of War, which is episode two from season two of The Bad Batch. And that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. It just remains for me to say, thank you so much for joining me for it as always. And may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be.